Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome Macquarie. It's so great to be with you again. This is our last service. You've made it online. We will continue online, but we are back in the building next Sunday. It is so exciting. Well done. You've made it. I'm looking forward to seeing you, having a coffee with you. I'm looking forward to nicking someone's seat. Do you know where you're going to sit yet? I'm going to try and steal someone's seat this time around. So look out. It's going to be fantastic to be back next week. Well, also this week, it is our last week in the series that we have been going through, a faith that works when life doesn't. And today we're looking at a faith that hopes. And we've been going through the book of James. So today we're looking at James 5.8 and it says, You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And the hope that we have in this scripture is, yes, that that we have hope for eternity, that God is coming to take us um, to an awesome place in eternity. But the, the hope that this scripture also brings is that the Lord's coming is near into our circumstances right now as well. Um, And back, way back in uh, historic times, the understanding of what hope was, was a little bit different to what we think of when we think of hope today. The word hope, it had a meaning to curve, to bend, or to change direction. And that change of direction was... um, or that word was used when people were after that change of direction, where there was a place in their world that in some way was barren, where there was lack, where there was frustration, where there was hopelessness. That word hope was designed to find its legs in those places. And it's in those places that we quite often give up hope. But that is the places where hope carries its most punch. So I want to take a look at that today. For me, I, uh, we've all walked some seasons and I remember one of probably the toughest seasons that I walked, um, one of the first tough seasons that I walked. And I remember praying over this circumstance that I was going through and I was watching this circumstance and waiting for God to do something. And we had some mercies, we had some miracles along the way, but really that circumstance didn't change that much. We had to walk through that circumstance and I remember getting to the end of that and looking back and going well God where were you what is this hope that we profess and as I looked back and took another look I actually saw where God was I saw sprinkled across the path his goodness and his kindness and his mercies and so Not before long, we found ourselves going through another tough season, but this time I was armed and I was ready. And I remember, again, we prayed over our circumstance, but this time we lifted our eyes from the circumstance and we started to look, well, Jesus has got to be here somewhere. Where is the goodness in this circumstance? And so we found that our hope went from hope in our circumstance to hope in Jesus. Craig Groeschel is a pastor in America and he put up an Instagram post this week. It said, Jesus is no security against life's storms, but he is perfect security in them. 
Hope isn't believing that tough seasons won't come. Hope is believing that Jesus will. And I want to take a look today at two scriptures. We're going to go back to back with a couple of different passages here. We're going to start, first of all, with the prayer of Jabez. And I want to take a look at some people in the Bible who found themselves in hopeless places, but they cried out to God for hope. The first one, Jabez, in 1 Chronicles 4.10, it says, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. We move to the next scripture, and this is in Isaiah. This is God speaking to the Israelites, a nation who at that place are in utter destruction, and he wants to bring about their restoration. This is his words, and they're quite similar language to what the prayer of Jabez is. Listen to what he says. He says, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. In the first passage, we see Jabez, a man whose name actually means sorrow. (laughs) If we've got any expecting mamas out there looking for a cute little boy's name with a a nice little meaning, Jabez, his mama named him sorrow. (laughs) But the Bible goes on to say it's because he was bore out of pain. And he cried to God to come into that life of sorrow and bring some hope. Then we see the Israelites out of a place of destruction. They cry out to their God, have mercy on us. And he comes back in and he brings restoration to a nation. And for us, perhaps in our pain, but perhaps in whatever circumstance you're walking through right now, as we cry out to God... God, where is your goodness in this circumstance that I'm in? His plan is always restoration. I want to take a look at why God might have said these things. It's an interesting phrase to put to the Israelites. Why these things? The first thing he says to them is enlarge the place of your tent. To me, that speaks to growth. That speaks to moving away from smallness and small-mindedness. I've been, for the last few years, I've been a a business development consultant and in sales. And one of the lines that we throw around the most to our clients is, if you always do what you've always done, you will always get what you've always got. And there comes a time, I think, where we need to start to think differently, act differently, to lift our eyes off our circumstances, off the familiar, and to look around again and see where is Jesus at work. Earlier on in this passage in Isaiah, God says to the people, behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And I just want to be people whose eyes are always looking for where is God? Where is the new thing that he is at work? Where is his goodness in my circumstance? Sometimes the best people to help us with that is new people. And the second thing that he says to them is stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. 
I think more than ever, the last couple of years have taught us the power of gathering, <laughs> have taught us how much impact gathering or not gathering can have on our well-being, on our circumstances. And here's God saying, let people in, stretch out your tent curtains, open up those doors, do not hold back. About 10 years ago, my husband and I, we moved to Melbourne and we went looking for friendship like crazy people. <laughs> Who is going to let us in? Who out there will let us into their world? And about two years ago, we came back, we did the same thing. Who will let us in? And the thing you see is some people are very gifted at this. Heidi Turton, I am looking at you down the camera. You have a gift for stretching wide the curtains and letting people in. And she would kind of had this person agitating her, trying to get into her world. <laughs> and she's like, it's not that I don't want to be friends with her, but I just don't have room for another friend. <laughs> and then I see that, I see the reality in that. But I just want to be people where we continually stretch open our, our curtain, where we invite people in to, to have new perspectives, to speak into our heart, to have friendship and community. Um, so length, stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Let's be people that beyond the service, beyond our events, we invite people in to friendship. The third thing he said was lengthen your cords. The word cord, it comes from the Hebrew word aboth, which has a very similar meaning to the Hebrew word for hope, which is tikva. They both mean cord or interwoven ropes. On a tent, a cord is the thing that holds the structure of that tent up. In our lives, the hope of Jesus is what holds the structure of our lives together. So the scripture says, lengthen your cord, lengthen your hope. I can go through longer, darker valleys now than I could 10 years ago because season by season, I've stopped to observe and look, where is Jesus? How does he act in these circumstances? How does he turn up? And so when I get into a valley, I can hold on to hope for longer. When you're going through tough seasons, that is the place where hope was designed to take its legs. Hold on to your hope for longer. I often wonder, why do some people stick with Christianity? Why do some people keep walking the path, walking through good and bad, but some people stick at it and some people don't? What's the difference? And I think it comes down to the next line. Strengthen your stakes. And, and this isn't really something to preach, but it's a question that I ask myself and a question to ask yourself. What is it that anchors you? You know, the stakes in a tent, they're the pegs that you bang into the ground so that the tent weathers whatever the, the storm or the weather may be that comes its way. What is it in your own faith that anchors you to the path of Jesus? Jesus, when he was restoring the people of Israel, he wanted to restore a people whose natural curve or bent 
was towards Christ and not away from him. What is it for you? For me, I remember a few years back, I could have gone either way and I just remember this line wouldn't leave me alone. To whom else would I turn? And for me, that is my anchor. There is no other truth that I could find, like it or not, like the truth I get or not. (laughs) There is no truth outside of Jesus. Every other well runs dry. And so for Jabez, a man known for sorrow, he cried out to God and God brought goodness into his world. For the Israelites, a people of utter destruction, they cried out that God's goodness would come back into their circumstance and he restored a nation. And I don't know about your circumstance, but I know that God has goodness for you. I know he has goodness for the people that you care about, because I've witnessed it in each of the seasons that I've walked. And I would just say to you, hold on to hope for longer. If things are a bit tough right now, hold on to your hope for longer. Look around to see where the footsteps of Jesus are. I like how the message, it puts James 5.8. It says, the master could arrive at any time. Can I pray for you, church? Church, we, uh, God, we just, we lift up this, these beautiful people and we just pray that they would have eyes to see where you're at work, that they would hold on to hope for longer, that whatever their circumstances, God, that they would see where you are at work doing something new. And Lord, let us let each other in as we gather again. Let us come back together for friendship and community. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hi, church. Thank you so much, Carly Davo. You know, the last time Carly Davidson and I shared was actually when we were youth leaders. I had a mop top haircut and I was prepubescent, a little bit of acne growing on the face as well. But Carly Davo was an incredible youth leader. I remember how much she used to give and sow into our youth ministry. And so, Carly, I've always wanted to thank you for being such a great youth leader. And now in our church, you're an amazing leader. And thank you for what you add and contribute. And we love following you because you are so um, have this wonderful presence about you. So, anyway, there you go, Carly Davo. Um, Gee, I'm looking forward to church coming back together. How good is it going to be, everyone? I am super pumped. I'm even looking forward to the awkward interactions that we're going to have when we first see each other, whether it's an awkward hug or handshake or a fist bump. And you know when it kind of morphs because you go for a hug, but they go for a handshake and it's, oh, and you end up almost doing this awkward dance around each other. Well, I'm looking forward to that even. I've been craving human affection. I've just been getting it from my wife and my lovely little baby, Lola, who's seven weeks old now as well. She says to say hello. Anyway, we're going to be continuing our series. And my, um, what I'm going to be sharing on is a faith that passes the tests of life. In Singapore, I was teaching at this wonderful international school. Anyway, part of the schooling program was these regular math assessments, mathematic assessments and tests that we would run. Now, 
what the school used to do is actually give um, these tests, like past papers and previews, they would give to the um, uh, they would give to the parents, so the parents could access them and look at them. But what the parents would often do is actually start teaching their kids to these past papers. They would start teaching them to these tests. And what my school found was that the parents were taking these past papers and taking these past assessments as gospel. And then when the test itself actually featured different concepts and different questions that weren't in these past papers and these previews, parents would get really frustrated and really annoyed. It caused tension. And we found a number of parents coming up to us, to the teachers, and saying, why is this question in the test? And we had to say, well, it was actually in the curriculum, even though it wasn't in these past papers. And so it became quite an, uh, a form of tension in our school. So the school decided to get rid of the previews and get rid of the past papers that parents could no longer access. And um, I just want to say that just like those parents, we often get upset when a test or trial in our own lives, church, doesn't fall into our set criteria, when it doesn't meet your expectations. Because I know I'm guilty, guilty as charged for being just like one of these parents when a trial in my life hasn't gone according to what I wanted. You know, um, this has even seen in parenting lately for me. I thought I might just be cleaning dirty nappies. But not only is the nappy job just one job, you've, it leads to other jobs and other areas where I have to then go and clean the clothes. I have to soak the clothes in nappy sand. We have to then have to put them in the washing machine, then hang those clothes out. And so it's just like this chain reaction. And I don't know about you, but in, in your life, I'm sure it's almost like sometimes one test can lead to another test. One challenge can lead to another challenge. And so often in our lives, God does this. We think the test is just going to be about patience. We think the test might just be a bit about um, financially going through a difficult time for three months. But God's saying, no, I want to test your generosity as well. I want to test um, how much faith you can still be having and giving even during this time. So God doesn't give us the answers and the roadmap to navigate each test. Otherwise, we would only study for the test and only get what we want from it. All right, James verse 1, verse 2 to 3 in the message version says this, consider it a sheer gift. Another version says pure joy. Friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, a bit like a washing machine, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. So let me ask you this question. What tests are you presently going through that you may be trying to get out of prematurely? God is putting the reins on you. He's saying, slow down, Farlap. Hold up. I want to take you through this. I want you to process this. 
Because not only is your understanding being tested in your dispositions, it's also going to be excelling you into the next season that is to come. And so what I want to do right now is have a quick look at a bit of a snapshot in Moses' life, right at the beginning of his journey. In Exodus 2, verse 1 to 10, it says, well, actually, I'm not going to read it because I don't have that much time. But in Exodus 2, verse 1 to 10, it talks about three women who played an incredible part in his um, journey. And the first lady, the first person, the first woman involved was Moses' mother. And she was an incredible woman, a bit like my mother, Rosalind Zare. I wonder if she was just as good a baker as my mother. Surely she was. But she was an incredible woman because Pharaoh had given this order for all Hebrew baby boys to be thrown into the Nile. A form of genocide is taking place at this time. And here is this woman. She gave birth to him, then illegally hides Moses for three months. Now, I don't know if you've tried to hide a crying baby before, but it is a jolly challenge that I face on a daily basis to try and hide little Ola's cries from my neighbours. Now, she then faces the truth of not being able to conceal him any longer. And so she decides to build a basket out of papyrus and tar and puts Moses inside and then sends him off down the Nile. Now, this first test for Moses' mother was the test of time. And I just want to share a few quick thoughts about this test of time that she had to go through. Put yourself in her position. Everything seems to be going wrong and God seems to be doing nothing about it. Does that sound a little bit familiar in your life? Does it sound familiar? Because there's been times in my life where I've gone, God, where are you in this? How can you let this happen? How are you letting this reckless hate and attack on this voiceless baby? You know, however, even with this injustice, she read the moment. And she read there was a time to hide and then there was a time for her to let go. Now, church, time is a test. God uses time in our world to test us in more ways than one Um, But he often disguises the time of testing with patience. And there are many scriptures in the Bible that can be used to help reassure us when it comes to this test of time. But trusting in God in the waiting and releasing seasons of your life is a true test. And Moses' mother knew that she had to release this boy and will see the fruit of that decision. And in your life, there'll be moments when you judge the right season at the right time and God can work on it. So another test for her was self-sacrifice. If she clung to her own child, many more Hebrew women would have suffered losing their own child for generations to follow. Our test of sacrifice, church, is concealed in a test of purpose in our life. Her step of faith was a step of freedom for the whole of Israel. And I love what Brian Houston says on this. He says, when we raise our hands in surrender, it's the first step to raising our hands in victory. God often uses what's in our hand to seize opportunity and overcome limitations. 
There's been moments in my life where sacrifice, where God has demanded little bits and pieces of me to give up. Bits and pieces that I haven't wanted to. Bits of my heart that I haven't wanted to surrender. But when I have, just like Moses' mother did when she released her boy, not only has it brought extra freedom into my life down the track, it's also brought freedom for other people and greater influence that I can have on those people. Let's move on to the second person in this story, Moses' sister. She had to face the test of authority. And just like her, we will all have to face this test. She was instructed by her mother to stand at a distance on the banks of the Nile to see what would happen, to watch her brother. She then watches and sees Pharaoh's daughter bathing with her slave girls. And as they take Moses out of the basket, she has courage and confidence. She has a brave spirit. And guess what she does? She goes up to Pharaoh's daughter. Here she is, a young Hebrew slave girl, and she gets the confidence to go up to Pharaoh's daughter. She then says, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse this baby for you? And Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, go. The girl went and took the baby's mother. She then says to Moses' mum, take care of this baby, nurse him for me, and I will pay you. Now, are there any mums out there that would love to be paid for being a mum, for your own kids? Because this is what is happening right now for Moses' mother. How amazing. Now, just a few little truths I want to bring out of this. Moses' sister stayed put in the trial with her brother and ended up becoming the right person at the right place at the right time. And so hear this, church. When faced with authority, she didn't shy away, but spoke not out of a place of control, but she spoke out of a place of calmness. The opportunity to speak in and have a voice came because she positioned herself on the bank of the Nile. And for you, when you position yourself in God, when you choose to stand firm and trust and hold on to his promises, it's amazing what you will then have the opportunity to speak into when you are either in places of authority or under authority as well. And so the test of authority is a big one that we all, that God tests us all with. And we can see that even at the moment with COVID. Because what happens, what's been happening at the moment, there's been so many voices coming up during this season. And COVID has produced a whole heap of problems, but it's also produced a whole heap of different voices to try and answer those problems. And so it's been a big test for all of us to try and come under different elements of authority, but also speak up in truth and love to sometimes people who are in authority. All right, third one. The third lady and the third incredible woman involved in this story was Pharaoh's daughter herself. Now, this last test I want to talk about is the test of grace in a position of power. Or another way of saying this is the test of injustice. It says in that passage, she felt sorry for him. Now, from Pharaoh's daughter's perspective, Understand this, her father had given the order for all Hebrew boys to be thrown into the Nile. She is meant to be condemning Moses. 
to his death. Now, that same hatred and bitterness from her father could have been in her. It could have been driving her. And more than ever, in our world at the moment, hatred and bitterness is driving people's voices. It's driving their decisions. But when we make decisions based on hatred, when we make decisions based on bitterness, it will end up harming ourselves. Now, um, one or two other little things just as I start to draw to a close. Grace is the test in this situation, the ultimate test. That place on the Nile was meant to be a place of death that Pharaoh had commanded for these um, boys to be thrown in. But God turns it, he transforms it through Pharaoh's daughter, his own offspring into a place of life. And so let me ask you this, whose life are you changing forever by showing grace to them? The test of injustice and the test of grace is a hard one. And at times we can all fail it. But it's one of the biggest tests in how we represent Jesus. At the end of last year, I was going through a season in my life where I was extremely frustrated. I was extremely annoyed um, because I'd had a bicycle accident. And in that accident, I'd, uh, another person ran into me and I came off my bike and fractured my ribs. And I entered a bit of a time where I was quite cynical and negative. And this was also happening during our lockdown time in Singapore. And so there was a lot of restrictions um, upon us. And it was, I felt quite mentally restricted with what I was going through as well. And my incredible wife, Lizzie, confronted me on it. And she says, you are being too negative and it's starting to wear off on me. And, you know, my first kind of response that went through my brain is, I'll show you who's being negative. That was my natural response. But I had to process it and I realized, no, she's exactly right. And so the Holy Spirit led me into a time of prayer and fasting. And it helped just carving out that space really helped me process and work through some of what I was going through. Um, now, after doing that fast, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm in a much better headspace. I've, I've grown through this. And just as I started to feel like I was on the other side of this little season, some other things started to go wrong. We went to the hospital uh, because we just found out that Lizzie was pregnant. And the doctor said, it looks like this is a miscarriage or an atopic pregnancy. And so Lizzie and me then had to make a quick decision about whether we would continue to get more tests and continue to assess this or whether we just wait and come back in another month's time. And we just felt, in this, in, you know, Jesus just reassure us, come back in a month's time. And we did. And the amazing thing is now that's our beautiful Lola, our little Lola Joy's there. So not only was that taking place when we received that news, but I also started to develop some chronic pain in my back from the injury. Uh, the physio said I'd just strained my back in a number of places, and so I had to start doing physio work to get through all of this. And it was really frustrating because I'd just gotten through this other stuff and I felt like I'd gotten over those hurdles, and then some more hurdles came. And it all... So often in your world, when tests arise, 
there'll be other tests and challenges that will come along that you had no idea was coming. But that's where that promise, like I said in that scripture, don't get out of it prematurely. Jesus wants to keep developing in you a steadfast spirit, an enduring spirit. And he wants us to do it with joy, which is unbelievably hard. But during that time, Jesus said, no, you are going to choose joy, Dan. I want you to choose joy. And that's why we've given our little girl, her middle name is Joy. Last thing, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. So let me ask you a question. Where are you at with God? How are you going with him? (laughs) Is he off in the distance? Or is he shoved into an image in your head where he's got dusty sandals on and breadcrumbs in his beard and a flowing jacket? The Bible tells us when we draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Well, what does drawing near to God look like? It looks like a small little step. It looks like a, just a little bit of surrender in your life. And we can do that surrender through saying a prayer. No matter what, whether it's the good, the bad, the ugly, we can go straight to him, church, with it. And so right now, I'm going to say a little prayer, and I would like you, if you would like to join with me in this prayer, you can also text um, New Start to the number on your screen, and you can join with me in this prayer. Father, we thank you that you are the ultimate act of grace by giving your son. And so right now, we accept your son. We give you our whole heart. We thank you for covering all of our mess. And we thank you that you not only do you promise this grace, but you also promise to come into all those trials and those situations with us. And so we accept every piece of who you are. Continue to work on us that we can become better people. Lord Jesus, we love you. Amen. Thank you, church. Lots of love. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.